This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Zach Moore, and the senior chief... It's on shore leave this week, but I'm joined by our brother-in-arms from Melodic Treks and Warp 5, Brandon Shea Matella. What's up, Brandon? Uh, I don't like this ice cream. Why Why did you give me this ice cream? This is terrible ice cream. <laughs> it's gross ice cream. I don't want this. Where's my mommy? If you haven't guessed already, we're talking about And the Children Shall Lead this week. Mm, uh, <laughs> mm, I'm pumping uh, my fist. Uh, mm, uh, mm. We should have practiced the chant and could have had the, the Gorgon with us here too, Brandon. So Brandon and I, you know, we both have the same favorite episode of the original series, and that's where No Man Has Gone Before, so we are in the alignment there. Uh, and we also have the same least favorite episode of the original series, and that's And the Children Shall Lead. You know, you're you're a man-on-the-street Star Trek fan, right? You say, what's the worst episode of the original series? And people say, oh, yeah, like Spock's brain, man. Or it's like, no, 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 no. If you're a real Star Trek, Star Trek fan, you know that And the Children Shall Lead is the worst episode of the original series. What are your thoughts, Brandon? I think that the casual Star Trek fan would say Spock's brain. The hipster Star Trek fan would say the alternative factor. And the real Star Trek fans like you and me would say, and the children shall lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this episode, it fails. And, and so we're doing a commentary this week, guys. So we'll, we'll key you up in a minute. We'll watch along with it. But it just fails on every level, right? Because, I mean, when has kids in Star Trek worked especially on the original series i mean they're not there very often but when they are there it's terrible miri's a bad episode and the children shall lead right i mean that does that doesn't work and then of course we'll, we'll get into our guest star as a stunt casting by casting a famous lawyer that's genius uh you know the, the, it just boosts those ratings hey rascals is a pretty good episode i you know i like rascals i apparently people aren't supposed to like rascals i, I guess i'm like you in that regard brandon i do like rascals on next generation that's a lot didn't of didn't adam nimoy direct it uh he did direct that one that's right and and much like in that episode they cast someone who had already played the captain's nephew as the main child in that episode which is an interesting bit of trivia i just realized as we're talking about it which means that captain picard was sleeping with his brother's wife <laughs> You look a lot like Jean-Luc when he was your age. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so anyway, uh, and the children shall lead. It's infamous in Trek circles. It's season three. So, you know, it's uh, it's very season three. And we'll get into it here. But, uh, we, we, you know, we just thought it'd be fun to, to kick back and uh, and just have a good time talking about this. You know, Mystery Science Theater just came back in Mystery Science Theater 3000. If you guys are not fans of it, I recommend it. Any, anyone who loves Star Trek, I feel, would love Mystery Science Theater 3000 because it kind of sends up these 
classic movies that we hold in such reverence, but at the same time are also often very cheesy if you didn't grow up with them. You don't, if you don't bring the nostalgia of childhood that you grew up watching with it, uh, you could MSG riff anything. Uh, so that's on Netflix now. So, so in, 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 the, in the spirit of Mystery Science Theater 3000 coming back, Brent and I are going to have our own riff on the worst episode of the original series and the children's Shall lead. So we're going to count you down, and I'll count you down three, two, one. We'll hit play. And then we'll start the episode. So whether you have it on Netflix or Hulu or DVD or Blu-ray or VHS or Laserdisc, when we do the countdown, press play. All right, you ready, Brandon? Yeah, I will say, you know, yeah, we have the same favorite and the same least favorite, but the other 77, we're not in the same order at all. We're not in alignment whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brandon, are you ready to do this thing? Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one. So Triacus, that's a cool name for a planet, huh? Um, I don't know what it means. I, I should have looked that up beforehand. So so they beam down uh, to the planet set. It's got a nice purple sky. That's pretty cool. These people have just had a wonderful party. Like, look at the, those go-go boots <laughs> and those outfits. They are like, they have been partying way too hard. And that's like some kind of, you know, I didn't realize it until we were watching for this. It looks like some kind of control panel there that, that is blown up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I never saw that before up in the top there. I just thought it was another paper mache rock, but they had they had a serious kegger the night before. So this guy over here, right? What is his deal? What do you think of the civilian clothes on the original series? I feel like civilian clothes throughout Star Trek are just garbage. Like they're so ridiculous when they try to. What would a non-Starfleet officer wear, right? Pajamas. It's like purple onesies. I mean orange. I mean, it's like Jake Sisko carries on this tradition in Deep Space Nine, right? <laughs> in his early seasons, I can see him wearing these little, these onesies. Yeah. Who wore this best? Tiggly Piggly or uh, this doctor? <laughs> What's, what are those those guys called from that, that weird British show with the the Teletubbies? The, tel the Teletubbies, gotcha. Yeah. Look, she's got the Miri disease. That's right, she does. Re reusing that uh, makeup. Miri Part 2, and the children shall lead. <laughs> really? Exactly. Miri's Mary, bad. This is bad. Are these the only two episodes that children are on, though? I'm trying to remember, Brandon. Do you recall the original series? Um, I think so. I can't think of any Charlie other... Charlie X, kind of. Oh, yeah, but he was like 26 <laughs> years old, the actor. <laughs> was like the actor. Robert Walker Jr. All this is self-inflicted. Oh, this is just terrible. And here come the children. They're they're all wearing the same boots. It's interesting. They're very shiny, those boots. Yeah, those are like super shiny, like standard Starfleet issue. Ray. See, one of the kids' name is Ray. See, there you go. That's another another J.J. Abrams uh, ripping off uh, Star Trek for Star Wars, vice versa, right? <laughs> did you ever play Ring Around the Rosie when you were a kid, Brandon? I sure did. I think every kid did. So this tall kid here, Craig Huxley, right, invented the blaster beam that's used in the music for Star Trek The Motion Picture. So when is he going to be on Melodic Tricks, Brennan? I don't, I've sent him an email. I didn't get an answer <laughs> from him. I don't know. Well, you need to call him the right way. Friendly angel, come to me. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's no joke though. That guy invented the blaster beam. Is that crazy? Yeah, that that's, that is crazy. And they so they used it, I believe, in obviously Star Trek Motion Picture, but I believe James Horner used it as well in Star Trek Two and Three in his score, just not to the same extent. But yeah. I believe that it was in those scores as well. And Bear McCreary just recently used it in the Ten Cloverfield Lane score. Oh, cool. You know, I haven't seen Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh dear Lord, we are we are gonna stop this, and we're gonna do a commentary for Ten Cloverfield <laughs> Lane right now. It is so good. It is. So, I did not expect that movie to be an eighth as good as it was. It was amazing. An eighth is good. Oh, interesting. It was amazing. Good math. So uh, the other significant piece of trivia about Craig Huxley is he played Peter Kirk mm-hmm. in Operation Annihilate, another great episode of the original series. Uh, there you go. There's another episode kids are in. Uh, the kids really weren't the problem with that one, though. So did it's I'm, it's curious to me that why they would cast him again, right? I mean, it was just two seasons ago, and he looks pretty much the same. I mean, but that's '60s casting right there, right? You see all these shows reuse actors in different roles uh, and bit bit parts like that, you know? Well, it's I'm sure it was like a. It's hard to find kids to do acting, and it's like nobody's going to be watching these episodes over and over back in the '60s, right? So they're not going to recognize. I guess Billy Boomy was busy with Lost in Space, huh? That's why they didn't get him. Too much of a crossover. It's probably some contractual obligation that he can't uh, guest star on Star Trek. It would have been great to see him on Star Trek, though. I mean, he was great in the Twilight Zone. He was in uh, three Twilight Zone episodes, actually. So He was in Deep Space Nine. That's right. And he was in Babylon 5. So they, uh, they built those graves pretty fast, didn't they, Brandon? Well, it was a commercial break. We don't know how much time it was. Well, they don't seem very... Uh, uh, worn out from digging graves and, and putting tombstones down. I mean, the technology of the 23rd century is very impressive. It's because the red shirts did it. Yeah. <laughs> the security guards. Spock just made a good observation about humans. They're believing what they choose and ignoring what is painful. That's true. I, except for some reason we're choosing to not ignore what is painful and we're doing a commentary about it. <laughs> I need my pain. <laughs> Where's Cybok when you need him? <laughs> Yeah, so I had to do this episode for the rewatch this year for the from there to here rewatch. Oh, like, you did. Man, okay, this is just awful. And you probably said, "I'm never going to watch this episode again." And yet here you sit. Yeah, here I sit. You know, I people like to make fun of me because I like episodes that people tend to not like. But I mean, this one, I just oh, look boy, at this oh kid. This kid knocking over the UFP flag. Such wonder, a disrespectful breath. I mean, I wonder, if, do they have to burn it like they do the American flag when it gets uh, hits the ground? You know, that's the rule here in the United States, Brandon. Did you know what? that? If the American no. flag touches the ground, it you have to burn it because it's been, you know, tainted, disrespected. Uh, is it, the, does Canada not have a similar rule? I don't know. I don't throw my flag on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so... It, you know, you're the music guy. You're Mr. Melodic Trickster. Do you like the original score for this episode with the Ring Around Ring Around the Rosie incorporated into the musical score? Why are you got to ask me such complicated <laughs> questions? <laughs> Trying to keep the listeners engaged here, Brandon. We want to use your unique knowledge and perspective on the situation to enlighten them. This is not a memorable score. <laughs> I don't even know who did this score. You probably know better than I. Get your book. You got the book there. I do. What does Cushman say? I, I have Mark Cushman's These Are the Voyages, Volume 3. And um, 
I'm, you know, looking up that information as we speak. Very compelling radio here, guys. Um, I don't normally listen to this disc on my 15-disc box set from Lola Land Records. Composer George Dunning. He had already provided scores for Metamorphosis and Return to Tomorrow. Uh, for this third assignment, his metonymous brass and percussion sting as the children shake their fists soon becomes annoying. That's some commentary there from Mark Cushman, So, <laughs> Actually, this is a neat score. Now that you mentioned that this is Dooning, like there's some really crazy sounds that you hear later on in the episode, like these weird... Like these really crazy sounds. This this is actually a neat score. Now that you mention it, I forgot that Dooney did it. Uh, Cushing goes on to say, he goes on to say the worst idea by far was to incorporate the public domain melody of "Ring Around the Rosie" into the score. It was the scriptwriter's idea to include the nursery rhyme in the episode, but Dunning can be called accountable for its inclusion in so many other areas of the score. So that's his analysis. Some disturbance. <laughs> I should get Mark Cushman on to do an episode on this score. You should. You should. (laughs) So uh, the uh, Ring Around the Rosie song is in public domain, which is why Star Trek can use it. That's why why Star Trek never listens to things that are past, like, 1920, unless it's a movie and they want to play some uh, Leonard Skinner or some uh, uh, Roy Orbison or perhaps some (laughs) Beastie Boys. (laughs) Or some Beastie Boys. Now, uh, Spock and Kirk have gone in this cave here, and this is Shatner. The way Shatner acts in this episode is the way people parody him acting, right? I mean, he he's really overdoing it. I'm getting a feeling of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, his his body movements, his contortions. I feel, I feel like I mean he he's playing the part here because he's being influenced by you know this energy from the Gorgon, but people people who zero in on Shatner, you know, hamming it up and being a quote-unquote bad actor, this is the Shatner they're thinking of. And he's doing it in a specific way in this episode. You know, I mean, you look at other episodes, he's not acting this way. Right. But it was the third season, and everybody was mailing it in a little more than they had in the first two, I feel, because they knew they were on, you know, they're on borrowed time. They were the Friday night death slot, so. Do you think he had the toupee now? Well, his his hair is different in, you know, the third season from the first two seasons. You can really tell... You know, people talk about Riker's beard, right? Uh, you can tell by, like, Kirk's hair <laughs> and also the uniform material because the uniform material changed. I like uh, these season three material. Yeah, it's velour. Is that correct? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but this is the same material that they use, you know, obviously in Star Trek Continues and shows like that. They continue on the show. And a uh, bit of trivia there, you know, when Star Trek Continues did uh, Ferris of Them All. See, we're doing everything we can to not talk about the episode we're talking about. But that's, you know, that's what you do when you watch episodes like this. Uh, freeform Star Trek discussion. Uh, they, they they did a Ferris of them all, the sequel to Mirror Mirror, which took place in season two. So they actually had to make different uniforms made out of that older material uh, for the episode so they match. So that's the attention to detail that Star Trek Continues brings to it is great. And then obviously everything else from, from Star Trek Continues is season four. So that's why they had the velour costumes from, uh, from season three and onward. What room are they in? What room is this? Where are they? You see, I, I guess it's uh, the Arboretum of the... Uh, NCC 1701. Not quite as impressive as the Enterprise D's Arboretum. So, like, this poor kid doesn't like his ice cream. Can they only use these cards once? Like, they can't use the card again, or what? It's interesting. I thought he was... how disappointed he is. I thought they... Coconut and Veil. That sounds amazing. I would totally eat Coconut and Veil. But he's complaining that they're both white. I'm like, what's your problem, man? Like, they both taste good. And then, and then he's greedy, wants three flavors here, right? 
Um, I, you know, I thought, you know, when I when I was first watching this, because I haven't watched this episode in forever, right? Uh, but, I mean, why would I? Uh, but uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, maybe this kid's going to have a breakthrough here. He looks a little sad, right? He's, he's going to remember his parents, and that's going to kick it off. But no, he was just sad about his ice cream. He has a chocolate wobble and peach and whatever the other one was pistachio like i want a third flavor too and she's like oh really kid and then she like puts it in and it just makes it <laughs> no problem i've never seen that set before whatever set they were just on <laughs> well no it's it's a combination of, of the uh the rec room set obviously which doubled as the briefing room and then i guess they found all the those leftover plants they had from the man trap when uh, sulu was still the botanist uh and that became the arboretum so did you see that hand in there gertrude and uh, Gertrude did not make an appearance. People love bringing up Gertrude. I mean, Gertrude is never to be spoken of again. It is funny to see Shat Shatner's just being Shatner here. He's not really being Kirk. Well, well, well. But look, um, look at these kids' clothes. That, that girl literally has sunflowers on her dress it's not like a sunflower print there's literal sunflowers on her dress look at that parents like stupid things listen to this guy my, I, my kids better not talk to me like this when i grow up when they grow up <laughs> these honorary children and that, that kid is wearing seriously it's like a blanket like, he doesn't have proper my sleeves. Kids, you know, like, my, I don't know, him. maybe I'm a bad dad. My kid's like, I don't like this. Like, you were like, you want supper or whatever? Do you want a dessert? Like, you want a cookie or banana or whatever? I don't like banana. Okay, so here's your choice. Do you want this or nothing? <laughs> my kids look at me and they're like, this. How draconian of you, Brennan. Is it? I don't know what that means. What does draconian mean? Uh, You know, it's, it's one of those words that I've heard used and I can use in a sentence, but I can't define. Ah, that's gotcha. it. An unfair, um, an unfair dictatorship that would be Is how it? I would describe it. Listeners in the Babel Conference, tell us in the comments what draconian means. Is it like Draco Malfoy? <laughs> well, that's where they get the that's where they get the name from. Can we have some more ice cream, please? These adults are the worst. They won't let us eat more ice cream. I said that to my kid the other day. She was eating too many chocolates at Grandma's house. I'm like, it's going to spoil your dinner. Adults adults all say that. Kirk uh, wants to ask him a question. Excuse me, are you my nephew? Because <laughs> you look really familiar. <laughs> Peter. Peter. <laughs> you want old man. Remember your failure at the cave. It is in the cave. You. There you go. This is the cave. Yes, this is Yoda. Weapons. You will not need them. Also, if there's anybody out there that likes this episode, please tell us why. Uh, that is that is strong words coming from you, my friend. You're, <laughs> you're usually the guy that answers those questions when people ask. I did an hour-long episode about why I like the alternative factor. Plus, we wrote a sequel on the an on the animated podcast. You've done you've done your work, man. You've earned your key to be a fan of that episode. I will say, you know, I think um, the setup of this episode is intriguing. Like, you know, they show up and a colony has had mass suicide. That's pretty dark. 
Uh, and they try to balance that out with, oh, look at the kids, they're having fun, you know, because that lightens the mood, but it undercuts everything, and had they just had they just left the kids out, they might have had something here. There's a kernel of a good idea here, as in old Star Trek stories, but um, the execution and, and the direction they chose to go in was just a failure. So if you wrote this, you would completely take the kids out? Maybe just have one kid. And like one parent or I, what? I, I would, here's what I would do. I, have, I would have one kid and he thinks he was responsible for killing everyone. But then he befriends Spock because Spock saved his life and he gets a Spock haircut and he starts playing already... chess with Spock and then he says, I have a Vulcan, I do not lie, I have no emotions. I think that would be... And then he starts doing his hair like <laughs> Spock? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a great episode of Star Trek, Brandon. Uh, a surefire hit. I think he, it would do better in the next generation, though, don't you? Nah, maybe so. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. We could call it Hero Worship. We could call it, you know, that's a great title for that, too. Hero Worship. Hail, hail, fire and snow. Call the angel. We will go <laughs> far away for to see friendly angel come to me. Right, be careful, Brandon. We don't want to summon the Gorgon here. Oh, he's already here. There, there he is. Somebody should totally cosplay this. <laughs> Well, it's the cheapest cosplay ever. All you need is a, a shower curtain, really. That's not a shower curtain. That is That's a, a muumu. That is a muumu underneath a shower curtain. So the Gorgon here, he's played by Melvin Bell. E. Melvin Bell, who was a famous attorney uh, in Baylock. the 60s. Baylock, that was the guy on uh, Corbomite Maneuver. No, Baylock. no, 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 no. Oh. He was not Baylock. Ted Cassidy was the voice of Baylock. So, Fred Freiberger, who was the producer, head producer on season three of Star Trek, he was really excited about getting Melvin Belly on the show. He thought it was going to be, you know, a ratings uh, draw to get this famous attorney who had no acting experience, by the way. The TV guide listing of this episode, right? This is what it says. Attorney Melvin Belly makes his TV acting debut as Gorgon the Friendly Angel, the incarnation of pure evil. The green-tinged, semi-transparent Gorgon uses children to unleash the beast in the human soul. Five children, who have already induced their parents to commit suicide, are now aboard the Enterprise, ready to spread Gorgon's malevolence throughout the universe. So that's their description. So, like, the only thing they didn't spoil in that in that summary right there was that the kid wasn't happy with the two white ice cream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic TV guide spoiling everything. Now, what was what was famous about this Melvin Belly? Did he work on any famous cases? Maybe, perhaps. He worked on the Zodiac case, actually, and he Kinda, actually yeah. he didn't he did he didn't he speak to the Zodiac killer like on the on the telephone like over the air? Yes. So. That's when I actually found out about this. I'm actually watching the Zodiac movie a couple years ago, and they're all like, this guy was on Star Trek. I'm like, what? what? Like, they talk about it in the movie that Fincher directed. And, yeah, so he's, like, being filmed on this talk show on TV, and the guy who was apparently the real Zodiac killer called in, and was, he was talking to him on the telephone. That's a good movie, by the way. Brian Cox plays oh, Melvin Belly. Uh, and then uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. are the, the main leads in it as well. That movie is that movie scares me. That is like one of the only movies that actually scares me. It scares you more than seeing uh, knives and swords in space as you fly the Enterprise, Brandon. Would that be more scary than that? <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Again, we're continuing our trend of just talking about everything but the episode we're talking about, which is probably for the best in this case. Who recorded this? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, he's not doing the selfie. Does he have a selfie? He must have a selfie stick for a strike order, Brandon. That's the only. <laughs> that's the only answer. You don't see the arm. <laughs> selfie stick personal log. Oh no, ooh, now he's holding the tricorder in this one, so... Oh, there goes your theory. Uh, he must be doing it in a mirror. Standing in front of a mirror recording us. That's the funny thing about Star Trek. It, it, it doesn't always hold up. Here we go. That is just the weirdest move. Yeah, it's an odd choice. And, like, nobody's, like, watching this kid. Like, that kid just beat the TV to death. <laughs> oh, hey, whoa. Hey there, Peter. I'm going to call him Peter. No, we'll probably take you to a Federation starbase. But I have relatives on Marcus 12. I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm Marcus sorry, Tommy. Not within our patrol area. Mr. Spock will pursue this in my quarters. Uh, Captain, can I stay here and watch? I'll be very quiet. <laughs> A regular Wesley Crusher wants to stay on the bridge and watch. He kind of looks like Wesley Crusher. Mm -hmm. This is the proto-Wesley Crusher, guys. Again, Star Trek and kids don't mix. Wesley was only good when he left and came back to the show. In my opinion. Mr. Leslie, named after his daughter. Yeah, these, uh, these newer effects definitely are not doing much to help this episode. Well, we'll see when the we'll see how the uh, the knives and swords and space hold up when it comes in later. That's that's one of the things I really remember about this episode. Is that this episode? Mm-hmm. That's because they're all seeing their greatest fear: who is just to grow old and oh, Kirk yeah, is yeah. to lose the Enterprise, and it's just like again, it's just like the cave on Dagobah. Again, Star Wars and Star Trek. The snake eating itself. So now Sulu's under the magic spell of the uh, the hand gesture. The fist. Yeah. He just fisted Sulu. <laughs> now he's fisting Chekhov. <laughs> oh boy! All right, Brandon is cracking himself while I'm trying to. I'm trying to maintain composure here, Brandon, on this on this commentary that we have to cannot edit. So pull yourself together, man. Raid me in. Raid me in. So now we got two kids on the bridge. Oh, see now this is something I'll say about. I'm going to maintain composure here, Brandon, and keep 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 the course steady. I'm like the Enterprise here. Uh, the uh, the stars are getting faster, which is actually something we we almost never see on the original series. Oh, who's freaking out? It's a solo. <laughs> Sulu does his high face. It's exactly like in uh, City of the Night of Forever when he got the uh, Cordrazine shot. <sighs> so now Uhura is under their spell. Will we reach Marcos 12 soon? Very soon. There we go. Here comes the fast Enterprise. Yeah, remastered for the win on that one. Warp 12. 
There's a lot of hexagons in the 60s. So here, here comes Scotty. Uh, what Do you like Scotty's season three haircut or seasons one and two haircut, Brandon? Um, he's beautiful both ways. <laughs> Clearly not a strong preference. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love how they hide his finger, though. He's so self-conscious about it, right? And yeah. he's a... Uh, what do you mean we haven't changed course? What if that kid, like, mind-fisted some whiskey in front of him? Like, do you think he could get him drunk if he, like, <laughs> mind-fisted a bottle of scotch? This red shirt at, standing up at the panel, he looks like James Colley from uh, Phase 2, just with the Elvis yes, he hair. Does. Doesn't he? Look at him. <laughs> Fight each other over them not being in orbit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, from behind. I'm being influenced to do things that do not make sense. I even went so far as to call Starfleet Command. Still watching the videos. This guy made a lot of logs. Well, you know how people are on their iPhones now. You know, always making videos. Selfie sticks. I decided to send a dispatch to Starfleet, warning them. God forgive us. Must destroy ourselves. Yeah, this, like, I just don't understand the motivation of this thing in here, like this Gorgon. Well, he gets power from people's fear, I guess? When you got to say, I guess, when you're trying to justify it, then <laughs> there's problems. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just trying to understand it. So the reason I'm going to just wager a guess here, uh, the reason that this scene is in Kirk's quarters is probably because the uh, the briefing room set was turned into the Arboretum for this episode, so they couldn't sit around the briefing room and talk about it. That's my uh, opinion. Why would they waste money on that? That's true. They could have just been in the rec room. Like, have you seen the empath? They're like no sets in that thing. They're that broke. There's no sets. And they're wasting this. Like, what is, it's like a box in the middle of the floor. They're set. Season three, man. You got to love it. Hmm. Spock and McCoy actually had some good dialogue about what evil does there, but we were being silly talking over it. Oh, sorry. We're not rewinding it. <laughs> We're getting our uh, exposition about the history of Triacus. An Epsilani Indy. Now, going back to your guys' last episode of Standard Orbit, what if this was the episode that Harv Bennett did the sequel to? There's <laughs> a lot of potential there with the Gorgon, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Melvin Belly, was he still around in 1982? <laughs> the Wrath of Belly. Yeah. I was speaking of a legend. The Wrath of Gorgon. Yeah, I don't think he would have been quite the box office draw that Ricardo Montalban was. <laughs> I think you're probably right. It's kind of a out-of-nowhere Star Trek fanfare there, but that's fine. 
Okay, go back to your book. Let's get something else to talk about. What else does Cushman have to say about this episode? Aren't, you're not getting drawn into this episode? And, uh, I am, but for completely different reasons. It's like <laughs> hypnosis. force was influencing him, that he recognized it, was beginning to fight it. And canceled his request for a show. Some of the some of the trivia about some of the children we can talk about is uh, as you already mentioned, Brandon uh, Craig Craig Hundley uh, invented the blaster beam that they used in Star Trek the Motion Picture. That's pretty interesting. He's also a he was a jazz pianist at a young age as well. So he, he's always been musically talented. Pamela Ferdin played Mary. Uh, she was she had already been on the Andy Griffith Show, Bewitched, My Three Sons, Family Affair, The Monkeys. So uh, she was also the original voice of Lucy. From the Peanuts series of animated, you know, specials, oh. the Charlie, Charlie Brown cartoons, so. Cool. So that's pretty cool. That's a great shot. And the remastered, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Tachi, uh, he was nine, he played Ray, and uh, he had just appeared. Oh, whoa, 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 this is the best. This is the best ever. Oh. So they're, they're sending down this these guys to go down to the planet to investigate, but they're not around the planet anymore. Where do they beam to? That's scary stuff, man. I know. That's awesome. Like, nobody... There's, there's no safety feature on that. There's no planet down there. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. It should beep, be a little, a little warning sign that pops up. Like, are you sure you want to transport? Like, just picture those guys' faces when they, like, materialize in space. Well, they'd probably be blue. Now, if they're also traveling away at warp speed could they have even solidified into a solid matter if they beamed them out the transwarp beaming like, had not been invented yet that's true Brandon so like have you ever tried to print something like on an old dot matrix printer or whatever and you just rip the paper out quicker <laughs> and it like doesn't print properly like it would be like that there'd be like red shirt ensigns from one sector to the next These five kids here tell me we're orbiting Triagus. <laughs> These kids you left in command, they told us we're good. My, my bit of trivia before you really cut me off there, Brendan. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. I brought Brian Tachi. I was going to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. No, it's Tachi with a C. Um, he played Ray, and he actually reappeared in The Next Generation. Uh, he was Kenny Lynn in Night Terrors. So, instant Kenny Lynn. So... Same kind of idea, though, actually, the episode. You, know, you you see fear manifest itself in visual form. So, anyway. Whoa! There he is again. So, uh, the uh, the kid that didn't like his ice cream, Brandon, uh, that was Cesar Belly. He was the 11-year-old son of Melvin Belly. Wow. You, you can really tell that he, uh, he was not uh, an actor by trade, so... <laughs> and then uh, let's see mark robert brown played don uh he was 10 uh he had been on i spy andy griffith uh, bewitched the monkeys you know so uh he was uh, actually found a lot of uh fame doing commercials for a wonder bread mcdonald's three musketeers mattel stuff like that so that's the rundown of the uh of the kids there so file that away in your trivia banks star trek fans i've already forgotten it <laughs> Call, and I will 
If you need me, call me and I'll be there. That's what he just, yeah, that's what he just said. Yeah, like this is, that's a weird dress he has on. Did you guys just see that? <laughs> like the security guard, Les, Mr. Leslie, is just standing there looking at him, like doesn't even whip out his phaser or anything. So I guess it, it's a trope in fiction to have evil kids, but these kids are not that intimidating, you know? Like The Omen or uh, movies like that. You can have creepy kids, but... Uh, I don't know, man. Kids are creepy, man. I got three of them. Oh, there we go. Gotta love that. You see that zoom they just did there? Gotta love that. Ooh, they, you oh, know yeah. what? I, I don't Optical think they... Uh, zoom. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> Sulu. <laughs> I don't think they remastered these swords, Brandon. Those look pretty 1960s to me. Get Mike and Denise on the line and ask them if they. <laughs> Excuse me, did you guys did you guys not take extra time and care to end the children shall eat? Oh look, a new mirror, more optical zoom. Is this thing always there? That mirror? <laughs> no. Ah! I, I think they've made it. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I never thought this would happen to me. She didn't look that way when she got to... Yeah, Nichelle Nichols aged a lot better than uh, her worst nightmare here. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Pull yourself together! <laughs> the reaction shot from Shatner is hilarious. <laughs> Still seeing those cartoon swords, Captain. I'm terrified. What? Like, what kind of fear is this? I'm like, worried of <laughs> swords coming at me from I'm space. I'm worried that we're gonna... Okay, I can, I can understand that she doesn't want to get old. You know, I'm not... <laughs> that was... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, we've lost Brandon. <laughs> yes, right. I'm watching the same episode as you. I saw him grab his face. <laughs> that's, I, I, that's right up there with uh, Spock and Chekhov in the Tholian web. You know, with that, that's a great, that was a great face grab by Shatner. <laughs> oh, bad. This kind of reminds me of a motion picture where Spock's trying to use the controls and V'ger is zapping him. <laughs> At least he's logical about it. He's very, very passively aggressive. I cannot obey your order, Captain. Oh, she's still old. Oh, she's still eyes. old. Oh, Just don't look at the mirror, Uhura. All right, enough with the swords, guys. I mean, seriously, like, 
What, what are you afraid of? Like a ship's gonna hit the sword? Like you have shields and stuff, man. Like and I, you're going down the center of let, it. Too. Let's see, like a giant space squid or something out there getting you. Not, not the sword. No, 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 enough with the optical zoom, too. Like, <laughs> like come on. Like, could, did you not think we could have zoomed in, like, uh, or, or dollied in or something? I don't know. It's the same shot it just, too. It's, like, the just same shot. it's the same shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Leslie, come on, man. Oh, they didn't zoom in there. No. Is he mind melding himself? Kirk is talking uh, in Zatanna speak from DC Comics, or where she, uh, when she speaks backwards, she casts her magic spells. What Kirk actually says uh, actually does make sense. All they did was they just played Shatner's dialogue backwards. They didn't actually have Shatner like <laughs> speak backwards. They just recorded his dialogue and played it back backwards. He looks like he needs older William Shatner and his all brand. Captain, we must get off this bridge. <laughs> we must get off this bridge. One Riker, one bridge. I'm losing command. <laughs> I'm losing my ability to command. This is embarrassing. I'm losing the Enterprise. <laughs> Now this is this is his greatest fear though, so I mean that makes sense. Like, the way they're awesome. going about executing it is. <laughs> See, that's a zoom, not a not a post zoom. <laughs> this is like they need to show this scene. It's like a cat regurgitating. <laughs> <laughs> they need to show this in acting school, just so people can analyze the greatness of Shatner's performance here. <laughs> if this was a different kind of movie, they'd pull the camera out and there'd be a knife in Shatner's belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like Spock's about to give him the Vulcan death grip there. But God, that, that scene There's right no there. There's no such thing as the Vulcan death grip. Everybody knows that. Uh, shut up, Chapel or McCoy, whoever said that. Uh, <laughs> so smart. Yeah, you would know everything about Vulcan's Chapel. That right there was probably the worst acting scene of Shatner's career. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Oh, I'm losing command. Oh, no. Oh. Auxiliary control. Auxiliary control. My Vulcan friend. I don't say that to people. I don't like, hey, Zach, my human friend. Yeah, you're trying to mix up that. You, know, you talk to these people all day. You're trying to spice up the conversation, man. Hey there, my Scottish friend. I will not have you upset their delicate balance. We would all be lost, forever lost. Oh, as we bairns. Auxiliary control. I guess that was just a redress of engineering whenever they see it, Brandon. what do you, Is that what you recall? Mm, yeah, probably. Because I mean, they have all the, the red grating is the key. <laughs> yeah, the hexagons. This is where uh, those hippies took over too, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we see auxiliary control in the way to Eden. We see in the Doomsday Machine on the Constellation. So it's it's a cool, you know, it's basically the battle bridge of the originals of the original Enterprise. This kid is just shaking his fist repeatedly. Well, at least they're not uh, doing a zoom in and post on him. 
Hey, you know, Q snaps his fingers. These kids wave their fists around in the air. You know, everybody has a little gesture. Oh, I'm all right, Spock. My piece they should, like, they could put, like, the Arsenio, so the Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Arsenio Hall was really under the Gorgon's powers. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Marvin Belly, some more trivia. He defended Jack Ruby. Yes. The man who assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald, who himself had assassinated JFK. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting wrinkle. I mean, talk about, I mean, the Johnny Cochran of his day. <laughs> I guess. Uh, he other had he he had some other celebrity clients like Mae West, Errol Flynn, Zaza Gabor, Muhammad Ali, and the Rolling Stones. So he had quite a celebrity resume there. So he defended Jack Ruby, who assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald. So is that what he was defending him for? was for the assassination of Lee Harvey Oswald? I would guess, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I don't remember what uh, how that case ended up. I know that uh, Jack Ruby's defense was he just loved JFK so much, you know, but uh, you, you can you can unravel about 17 conspiracy theories of, uh, of that whole story. Did you ever see that Stephen King, or read the book, or see this show, that 1122? I have the book. I intend to read it before I watch the Hulu series with James so Franco. So good. It is so, so good. The deten- what is the detention section? The brig? Come on, it's third season, guys. Get your terminology right. Detention section. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is... You know what? I don't even know how many times I've seen this episode, but it's not many. I, it's literally less than five times. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, this is like... Yeah. I have never disobeyed an order, Captain. You know, I have never I dis- know that, Ensign. You have never disobeyed an order, but an alien being is aboard the ship. Disobey now. I cannot disobey. Ensign, listen to me. You will disobey this order. Starfleet command supersedes your order, sir. Oh, Spock just using a karate yeah. chop there, man. What happened use, to the Vulcan neck pinch? Come on, man. Come on, Nimoy. Have some integrity for the character. <laughs> He's like, it's season three. I don't care. You know what? I give them credit. They're not using stunt doubles here. They probably didn't have the butt. There it goes. There's the neck pinch. Why don't you, why don't you leave it that next time, Spock? They're not using stunt doubles here. Probably because they don't have the budget in season three. So this is legit Shatner and uh, Nimoy throwing down with these guys. Why don't they neck pinch that kid? <laughs> oh, he got a fast red Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> Rubbing his neck. Oh, man. Look at this guy sitting in the chair. There's Billy Blackburn there. Yeah. That's what Sulu's still doing there. <laughs> Look at Uhura. She's still, still back like, there <laughs> upset. <laughs> I'm still old. <laughs> she did. Do you understand? It's like hours ago. Is he going to hit him? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Be careful there, Shatner. Of anything. He's afraid to be seen. And when the crew sees and hears him, 
They'll understand that he is not their friend. And they won't We're getting sucked in, Brandon. We're getting sucked into the episode. I'm just waiting until the kids start <laughs> crying. It's my favorite part. When it says the parent. I'll follow him to the moons of Nivea. Rounds perdition flames. Mr. Sparks, play back the chant the children sang to someone. Uh oh, you see, here, here's the problem. See, they, ha they have 23rd century uh, Echo. You know, it, uh, Alexa and Echo records everything you say, can be used against you. So uh, that's what they did here. This is, see, this is what happens when you get rid of all your uh, firewalls on your computer. <laughs> this sophisticated alien could not tell the difference between a, a live performance and a recording. For shame, sir. <laughs> these kids just have free reign. Yeah, those are some crazy... Do you think these are legit 60s clothes? That's what I'm saying. Like, Star Trek civilian wear does not hold up. Kids wearing like a full body kilt or something. Take your time, Melvin. <laughs> the time has come to see the world as it is. The time has come, the walrus said, to speak of other things. Of shoes and ships and sealing wax? And cavaliers and kings. I did, Gorgon. My yeah, so you could like. Get some kind of sparkly blue shower curtain and just cover yourself with Christmas lights, green Christmas lights. You can see the film. You can see like the um, the the dirt and the hair in the film. Look at that. Yeah. Come on, guys. Step your game. I know on it's him. season three. Well, they, yeah, and they wouldn't have been able to clean that up from uh, from remaster. No, you can only add to it because they didn't have the original elements like TNG. Right. Wonder how this guy. F Why is this guy never at the conventions? <laughs> I, I I think he's passed away for quite some time. Oh, well, then he has a good reason. So they got uh, Melvin Belly on the show too to boost the ratings, right? Uh, but Star Trek it came in third in the ratings after you know NB. I'm uh, sorry, after ABC and CBS that night they lost to Judd for the defense and the Friday night movie on CBS. The ratings ploy did not work. The uh, <laughs> the sweeps week. You know, I, I remember reading that. How many networks were there at the time when it came in third? Well, there was three. And then there was, then of course, usually uh, you had like a local you know, public access channel or something like that. So. Why should you fear it? I fear nothing. So we were told. Mr. Spark, the pictures, the children are waiting. And again, who's filming this? You know, but you, you say that, though. You see, we always used to say that, Brandon, in Star Trek in our older days. Like, who's filming this? But look, in this day and age, everything is filmed. Everybody has an iPhone. Everybody's recording every activity. Like, our lives and our children's lives are going to hey, be fine. so who's editing documented. It? Okay, who's that's editing a good point. It? Okay, <laughs> fine. Oh, they're down in there. That's what they do in Auxiliary Control, Brandon. They're, they're editing all the all the, uh, the library computer banks. Well, maybe they can edit my podcast for me, too. Okay, so that's the thing that blew up. That little dome they have. Uh, that's that uh, ash structure that we saw when when they first beamed down yeah i don't know what it is but it, it blew up look how happy they are look at that smile so happy i see my mom and my dad oh it's i love it it's so happy You know what this is a lot like, Brandon. I just let's tie it all together. Oh, current they're events. all dead. <laughs> let's tie it into current events. It's not like it, right? Because the kids have the power. 
to give it its strength. And then when they don't believe anymore, it goes away. So there you go. Stephen King ripped off this episode to make It. What do you think of that? I think It is better than this. Have you seen the trailer for the new <laughs> It? Yeah, what did you think of it? Oh, man, I can't wait till that comes out. I think I think they're breaking it up into two movies. Like, the first movie is just going to be when they're kids, and the second movie is going to be when they're adults, which is, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, that's for sure. Yeah, make those kids cry. Okay, do you do you cry from that side of your eye? Because I don't. He wiped his. Who cries from perhaps, that side of the eye? Perhaps he wiped his face off. Okay. No, it was coming out of that side of the eye. You are my future general. Together we can raise. Oh, look at that kid! <laughs> <laughs> so he just like shot a hose in their face. Or well, something? yeah, it's called fake water they put on their faces, Brandon. Look at her. She's like allergic to it. She's like so red. Ah! Ah, best climax ever. He's starting to get ugly. Without you children, he's nothing. Was like diamonds on his face? Yeah, that was an odd. He like has the. He's getting the phage, Brandon. The Vidian phage. Look at him. Vidian Messing up his hair. No, it's the Miri disease. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for you know forces of evil appearing as angels of light and things like that. So th- th- there is some merit to that kind of concept, scaring the children with uh, and misleading them in that way. But again, just look at that, guys. That's that's poor execution right there. Death to you all. Death to you all. Oof, this is quite the episode. I think that girl's really crying. Oh, the swords are finally gone. Thank goodness. The, the, the Windows screensaver, Windows 95 screensaver is finally gone. Uhura's young again. Yeah, thanks, Bones. It's good to see them cry. I don't know how it happened. You should have seen this guy, this burn victim. Oh, Bones, you should have been here. Just here. You should totally get these guys onto your podcast and, like, interview them about this episode. I'm sure they're still alive. They probably are. Is it over? Is it over? <laughs> you can never tell the original. Is it over? You can never tell the original series because sometimes it ends very abruptly, right? It'll just like end, and and then sometimes it'll be like an extra scene with like McCoy and Spock and Kirk talking about everything that happened. This one is going to end abruptly. So, oh, it's all is well. Why did you pick this episode? Well, it's the worst episode of the original series, Brandon, and we both agree on it. But let's look at the end credits here because I always love this part. That's good. That's from game. Uh, uh, game. Uh, that Spectre, Spectre of the Gun, Gun uh, Paradise Syndrome, Paradise Syndrome, Gorgan, not Gorgon. Uh, that's from World of Hollow Live for the World's Hollow Live Touch the Sky. Yes. Uh, I have no idea what episode that one's from. That's pretty generic. Shot of Scotty there, so who knows? You got. That's that one with you Scotty got me there. Uh, Cat's Paw. That's from Immunity Syndrome when Spot goes to get the shuttle. 
Did you ever see that Simpsons where they like did this did the Star Trek ending at the end of the Simpsons? And they had Mr. Burns as like the Balox oh, alien. Really? <laughs> well they did the same thing on Futurama. They had uh, they had Zap Brannigan's number uh oh, number yeah, first yeah, officer yeah. as Kiff. that. So um so Brandon, so the, the, the so that's the episode, folks. Uh did it hold up? No. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, you know, uh, we don't do a lot of commentaries here on Standard Over. We thought, you know what, that's let's just revisit this episode. I, I feel like the, the only reason I would ever watch the episode is again if I could watch it with someone and have a good time talking about it. And uh, hopefully <laughs> you guys enjoyed it. If not, um, you know, watch it on its own. I, I Yeah, and like Brandon said, if you do enjoy this episode on its own merits, please... Let us know why. I mean, I, I mean, I and like I've been, I've been trying to sneak in some, uh, some actual uh, uh, analysis here uh, throughout our discussion. And I, I do think there were a couple of kernels of good ideas here, but complete execution failure, like on every level. So the acting was terrible. The lawyer and the kid. The production was just the production value was bad, even for season three Star Trek standards. I mean, Shatner was ridiculous. Uh, entertainingly so, though. Uh, but anyway, uh, not much redeeming. Almost no redeeming qualities to this episode. Yeah, right. um, I'm. You know what I'm going to go do now? I'm going to go watch the alternative factor. I'm going to watch something good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, Brandon, if people want to find you on the network, where can they find you, man? You can find me here with new episodes of Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. You can find me co-hosting Warp Five, which is all about Star Trek Enterprise. And even if you're not an Enterprise fan, check us out we've been doing some great stuff we've had a lot of really good interviews we interviewed eric pierpoint we interviewed tucker smallwood we interviewed gary graham we interviewed phyllis strong we interviewed manny Cotto. we've had uh, the wonderful awesome john tenuto on for a couple of episodes it's been, we've been doing a lot of really great stuff even if you're not an enterprise fan you should come and check us out over there um you could find me on twitter at brandon Matella. and uh if you've been watching our twitter feed at trek fm over the last little bit i've been doing a daily twitter poll on a whole bunch of different topics and uh, every once in a while i poke my head up in the babel conference well brandon that was fun but uh talking about star trek's worst episode isn't the only thing we've been doing on trek fm this week here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm standard orbit All right, I'll tell you what, you know, I have never, ever, ever worn a costume or cosplay or anything like that. Now the challenge, the gauntlet has been out there. We're going to have to put together a Mugatu costume. Mugatu costume. We got to. To the journey! Make him taller. Give him some salt and pepper gray hair. Yeah. Make those shoulders broader. Your pubes have put a tattoo over his left eye. (laughs) Oh my god, look what I just did! I made a chicote. Warp 5. Uh, are you an outside entity that is watching you deal as the bad uh, archer with the good archer? And and Scott just looks at me and turns around and goes, Oh, God, will someone come here and get Gary a strip? <laughs> Meta Trex. But these Romulans are still walking around in those nasty pointy shoulder tunics that they wear. I mean, <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> doesn't seem like they shed as much of their identity as the Klingons yeah, no, no, did. Not shedding as much of their identity. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. 
If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at, at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on the content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, and Richard Marquez. Thank you so much for all of your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek.fm through Patreon. You can find Renee on Twitter at at MRES underscore 1701, Norm on Twitter at at Starfighter 1701, Aaron on Twitter at at GeekFilter, and Tim on Twitter at at TimRobertson56. And Nick and Richard aren't on Twitter, but you can find them on Facebook and around the Babel Conference. As for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And you can find my other podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. And we cover the Young Superman show, Smallville, that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.